What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Cousin Cecil Show. I am your host, Mike Fowler, a.k.a. Cousin Cecil. How are you? How is everything? How is your year? Is it going good? All right. Uh, been not too bad for me. Uh, just a little, a little tired. Little things going on. Just more still busy. Uh, this week, I think we'll see how how smooth it goes. It's a little different. I ain't gonna do no news in a sense. I am going to do like two or well multiple reviews and all that stuff and also what i've been playing you know people might be like you know why aren't you doing any uh gaming news and stuff to be honest for me i uh there's i don't think i've been seeing a lot of uh i mean topical news of course, there's like, I've been seeing, like, you know, there's a Silent Hill 2 remake deep dive with the devs on IGN and stuff. They also are, uh, but I think it's still, we're still getting in the new year. I don't think it's also uh, been that crazy. I know we're like, there's some weird quiet talk, oh, not quiet, but like, not out of my range of caring of like the Microsoft, uh, Activision King Blizzard deal and uh more there's been a lot of stuff dropping and also like I know we're a couple days or maybe a week away from this Xbox presentation of more just uh some of their game news and stuff which I'll like to talk about sooner than later we are two weeks away maybe a week now without math of uh, probably my most anticipated game at this moment of what I don't own of uh, Dead Space, the Dead Space remake. Uh, it's it keeps looking really good. I'm really interested and really uh, excited for it in a, in such a way. Uh, but what I've been playing, <clears throat> I've been playing uh, Crisis Core still. Well, no, I don't even remember if we even talked about it. I picked up Crisis Core during the winter or during Christmas time, and I can more just say uh, I like it, and uh, it's pretty pretty enjoyable. Uh, Final Fantasy Crisis Core: A Reunion, and I've never actually played Crisis Core ever, so this is my first time ever seeing or playing it, experiencing it in a sense. I did. I mean, I'd be lying if. Uh, well, no, actually, a lot of the, a lot of the, even the cutscenes, I don't even have any recollection of if I've ever seen it in, like, some maybe, like, complete Final Fantasy VII story YouTube video I've ever watched or anything. Uh, and without knowing, I'm just more seeing what I experience. I like it. It has some of the, the combat style of the Final Fantasy VII remake. With uh, that more action RPG style of combat. Uh, and where I'm at right now, there's 10 chapters, and I believe I'm in chapter 10. And I'm right before this gate, this gate they get to walk through. And it, it, to me, it feels like the point of no return. Like, I'm about to fight the this Minerva I've been seeing in the trophies, and also what they've been talking about in the story. And I, uh, I want to pick up or pick, clean up some of the. 
missions because like there are ten chapters, but you can also play uh these side missions anytime you want through the the save points. Yeah, through the save points. And that gives you kind of what I feel like, all right, now I understand why this was such a beloved portable uh game. Because it was obviously originally from the PSP. Is because those missions are like maybe could be a minute could be a three-minute drop-in, drop-out style mission with a small uh, text describing what it was with the story, like what it's doing with the storyline. And then uh, you just fight a boss, and then you're back out, and then you're kind of back to the save point. The only catch is for me, and the idea of I'm trying to clean up, is there are 300 side missions, and I just got the 50% trophy. So I've done 150 of them, and then they I will they are pretty hard, but I also pop the trophy to start collecting the I want to I think they're called the Genji armors. Apparently, if you've been a uh, a big time uh, Final Fantasy fan, like this armor has been in multiple different uh, Final Fantasies, and uh, just more. I got the part that lets me have my stats go over 99,000 or 9,999. I just have to get the other two pieces that will let me, or either two, three or four pieces to uh, let me get, uh, what's the word? Like my attack and all that stuff also. But, um, But yeah, it's, it is fun. I know it's more me thinking of like, I'm thinking of like my next, uh, the next thing, but it's been really enjoyable. It's also really good, uh, palate cleanser to the intents of Ragnarok, which was excellent ending. It was very good. I'm really impressed with how they ended that, uh, Nordic storyline i just have to also go back and clean up the end game stuff but i would recommend it and then um this shows how i've not been recording in a minute because i've been hearing myself do the uhs it's driving me nuts in my head because i want to try to be more less of those weird not it's not a weird sound but the idea of like just not being able to just to keep silent, just catch my breath and uh, continue just talking and then, you know, fix it up in editing. But yeah, we are, that's about basically me for, at oh, I guess I'll talk even about <laughs> what I've been really, really playing. Marvel Snap, again, and just more, keep it out there from last time we talked, we are... A couple, we're in week two of the most current battle pass with, for January 2023, which is the Savage Lands. And they gave us a card called Zabu. Zabu is, <clears throat> for nerds, it's the it's the character Kazar's, like, saber-toothed tiger riding pet. He's kind of like a jungle boy, but also he's a jungle man, I guess. 
and uh, his power. Well, okay, he is a three cost two power creature with a ongoing thing of all your four cost cards cost two less. So that is it's it's technically took the meta of the game by storm. So like a lot of big time games games decks are running Zabu because he's so very utilized in this in this uh this month. And uh I can still say to date I have not paid besides season passes. And I de- technically that welcome thing. But everything else I've been I've been doing it technically just more as a cat I guess I'm at the casual pay rate of what they expect their uh players. And I'm at and my collecting rate my collecting level, collection level is at 1992. And again that 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 scale can go up to the kingdom come who knows what's what's the actual top of that. But uh but yeah, it's it's probably the best game out there for me. It's been it's been my it's almost been like my left hand. It's been like I could have my hand chopped off and just have the my phone as Marvel Snap and I'd be happier than a pig and shit. But it's been it's been very enjoyable. I uh I don't even know what else to say about it besides it's it has enough of uh it's in my control and it's also enough of I don't know what's gonna happen next in the sense of because of like involves the unpredictability of you know going against other players and it's very fun it's very addicting and I'd still highly recommend it at this time there's also some great youtubers just to watch and the youtubers are fine they obviously do help getting uh you into the right mindset of how should a deck be around if you're trying to focus on a certain card obviously their only problem is and i love that too this is the only game that has their content creators constantly say listen i'm a content creator that's why i'm buying these cards do i feel like you guys should buy them no and i do appreciate that transparency with the the people but but yeah i still highly recommend marvel snap at this time but yeah let's more get into one of the reviews and i wanted to review uh because it came out, it came out, uh, I want to say it was December 27th, but Dynamite's Gar- Disney Gargoyles issue one. So Gargoyles, the Disney classic 90s show is back and it is in a another comic form because apparently they have already had a comic co- uh, version going through and uh, this is obviously a new series, and if you hear this today, issue two should be out next Wednesday, which would be the 
The stupid computer flipped it around on me. We're on the 17th, so it's whatever the first next Wednesday, if we're the 17th today, so 18th is this Wednesday. So next Wednesday. I'm sorry for more confusing and not having a calendar on me. But but yeah, so Dynamite is now holding the the keys to certain D- Disney uh, comics. They also have Darkwing Duck and all that other stuff coming out. But more to say for issue one of Dynamite's run called Stone by Day, Warriors by Night. Well, I guess it's just Warrior or Gargoyles. But the writer is Greg Wiseman. And just so you know, because I did not know this until right before I recorded, um, Greg Wiseman is apparently the voice of, not the voice, he is the creator, the co-creator of Gargoyles from the, the actual TV show. And he's been actually writing Gargoyles since the beginning. He's been also, he's part, he was involved with the the first series of comics, of course, the cartoon. So it's really cool to know that the, the, the creativeness is still in the hands of the original creator. So that's good to hear if you're interested in jumping into what is basically kind of a risk in the sense of it's not a comic, it's not a superhero comic. It's kind of a niche comic in the sense of like, you have to, be, you kind of had to be there growing up to even have a, a feel for what, you know, about Goliath and uh, the whole crew of Brooklyn, Lennox, Hudson, and all that shit. And then for illustrations in this new series, uh, George Combadias and Jeff Eckleberry, and then, uh, Nate Cosby as the packager and editor. I was going to say David Nakayama made the main cover, but obviously for some reason they must know uh, it being not a superhero thing and it's very niche. Not niche. I guess that's the, uh, what is that called when you have uh, the feelings for a, a past thing? I can't remember. Nostalgic. It's a very nostalgic series. In the sense of, you know, it's gargoyles from the 90s. Um, so they had like, they had maybe like 20 different variant covers. I didn't, I got variant C. And I don't even know who off the top of my head and not looking back at it, uh, who actually drew it. But all in all, the first issue is definitely kind of information overload of things if you didn't know like i.e. because it's been so long you haven't watched the show maybe you haven't went on Disney Plus and watched it and um, I'm I'm not 100% sure yet because I'm still kind of trying to figure out what to watch to know if I'm watching enough information before enjoying this comic because right now, while I'm, I'm recording, I just started in the background uh, episode Gargoyles, just to more see if I can catch something. So, let's get off this off this idea. It's it's a good startup of a series, because it does kind of give you kind of more very vague, generic things. So, like, okay, here's all the Gargoyles. 
Did you know? And I did not know this. It's like, did you know Brooklyn, the the red one, had a wife and kids? And did you know that Goliath had a kid with uh, the girl gargoyle, but also is now dating the girl, the human girl from the show? I didn't know this. So you learn this stuff in the first literal series, but kind of hits the ground running. Does not really worry about what happened before. Besides the idea that you should just know who these people are. Like they even have, uh, it's not really a spoiler. So he does the very generic. All right, we're going to go stop some bag robbers and we meet everybody. Okay, cool. And they're up at the tower and you start meeting the gang of gargos that we are not the original lineup. So you meet like, like I said, Brooklyn's wife, which is Katana, apparently. And their kid, Nashville. But Nashville, but also he prefers to be Nash with a G. Like, the G is silent. Very whatever. But cool personality idea. And then, I did not know this. There are robot gargoyles, which I thought they were bad guys. But no, they are working together with the Goliath and the gang. So, which is is new for me to under wrap my head around. But uh, seems like the first arc of the series villain is going to be uh, the human girl's brother Talon. Well, her brother who became the 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 humanoid gargoyle that's part looks like part panther because he's on the screen right now. Talon. Okay, but it's a very. I'm very interested that it was kind of short in the sense like. It must be because it's dynamite. Maybe it's just because like it's a teaser, which I'll get into the next book that we I did too. I'm going to do too, but uh, it is short. But also, I have to admit it gave it it gave me enough information and enough little bit of a hook that I am going to pick up number two next week. So I can give them that, and it's for it's for people like me. I grew up on Gargoyles, and I think Gargoyles was awesome. And it makes me look forward to it, and it must be doing something right, because also, not I'm not going to go out my way looking for it, but if I can find a place I can read the first run of Gargoyles comics, because it seems like without, uh, it seems like to me, just like in the, because if you look it up on the websites, they made the, the comic series like the next season. So like after the TV show stop, they like this was the actual next thing that happened with the guys. So all right, this is and then this dynamite series is gonna be the next uh I guess season of Gargoyles. So if you missed Gargoyles, it is a good it's a good time to pick it up in the sense especially since it's only four bucks. That's a little little expensive, I think, for what it is. It could be $3 and probably sell like hotcakes. But, but yeah, four bucks for Dynamite's Gargoyles. And I would, if I had to rate it, the issue one, I'd give it a, a, a three out of five. It's, um, it feels good, like in paper wise. So I give it that. It has a good book quality. The story is just enough to give me a little hook. But uh, some drawbacks are, the person who illustrated it, like I just said, I do not like his, it feels a little softer on the faces of the gargoyles, 
where when like I'm looking at the series right now, they used more better uh, shadow shadowing on the face to give like you know give them like the brow, the brow mean like they give it a shadow so it knows that it's sticking out more than like the eyeball. On this, it's kind of uh, just soft and like I don't want to say anime, but it doesn't. It, they don't give it enough definition in the black lines on the facial parts of some of the gargoyles, especially Goliath in this this issue. But yeah, and as you hear me unopen or open this one, you're also going to do a book that you can technically not get at this moment in time because it was on Kickstarter. And it is more so I can at least say I, I did it for the guy, the fella, the, but it's for Mr. Brian Hawkins. And it was, it's his, uh, his page, not Patreon, his darn, uh, Kickstarter book. The, I want, I'm looking for it right now, the title, because the, I have the special cover. It is not, it's like a, I have the cool Shane Volt, uh, cover that he did for it. Shane Volt is the artist of Nottingham on Mad Cave. So definitely was up my alley, as you know, if you are a, a Cousin Cecil listener. But, um, The Lunatic, The Lover, and The Poet. Issue two. So this is act two in his little mini series. And uh, to my knowledge, without knowing, because obviously it's been a little few and far between between this book and the second book, or yeah, the first book. Uh, it's going to be on Kickstarter. Issue three is going to be somewhere down the road. But of course, the, the creator and writer is Brian Hawkins. Artist is Marcio. Lozier, color colors is Gabriel Roldan, letters Francisco Zamora, and then graphic design, logical chaos design, and also just more of a which totally does not change my views of what I'm going to say. But if you ever did was able to find this, the lover, the lunatic, and the poet. Uh, somewhere, someone is selling maybe their Kickstarter version of it. You would see my name in the back of it because I was, I was just a backer. But it does not change my views of what I'm going to say. But at first, I want to just say for a positive, it, again, I appreciate when he uses good paper. And it does feel nice and has a nice feel in the in, of the paper of each page. It doesn't have any soft paper, kind of like a, it was a moment in time during the pandemic. Even DC and Marvel books had this weird, softer paper that I did not like. It felt, felt real cheap. This does not feel cheap. It feels nice. It feels like a very uh, good quality comic for obviously, like I said, it's for a Kickstarter one. And for story-wise, again, I want to say, and I'm trying to say it, figure it out. And uh, it was good. I feel it was kind of more of a filler issue. And the idea of like that gets a little nervous in the sense of this is a Kickstarter 
And I do not 100% know how many issues there are going to be. Not saying it's not like good information filler, but the idea of what happened in the story felt like, like, okay, something cool, like, uh, something, they see the resolutions, what happened at the ending of the first book. Then it goes into a small, more scene, what is everybody around the incident is feeling and like, does the show must go on of this, this, uh, play. And then kind of went boom, we're already at the end and the killer has struck again. Art wise, way better or way good in just even comparing it to, which is not fair or like, you know, for gargoyles wise, but like the gentleman who wrote or drew Marcio, he clearly has a better way with uh having black outlines on like to make like scrunchy eye, scrunchy foreheads eyebrows look way better using shadows with possibly with the the colorist is looks like even better than like even a tech technically a full-fledged published dynamite issue i'm just saying so it looks good i do like the art it does uh How would I word it? Story-wise, of the issue two, did not technically give me a real feel to, like, I want to know how the next issue goes. But what's going to keep me from going is technically just because of, like, uh, for me, as a, just as a avid fan of Brian, I am going to continue whenever I see the lover, the lunatic, the lunatic, the lover and the poet Kickstarter pop up again, I will of course back it. Cause I do want to finish the story and show support to indie, indie comic person. But yes, it was a little, a little soft in the story wise, not saying is that there's also, he is building some people who could be part of the whodunit part of this some people just at the same time it just felt maybe it was just maybe it's because of also the first book and the second book had such a big gap of in between releases you kind of like maybe i was expecting like a little bit more of a bigger uh what's going to happen? Like, I want to know what's like, can we get another big moment? Like we did in the first one? Cause the first issue was really well done for our first issue. The second one just felt a little fillerish. And I, I'll also probably be giving the lunatic, the lover and the poet issue two from, uh, Mr. Brian Hawkins, a three and a half, a three, a three out of five. Again, just more, it's, it was, it was enjoyable and I do enjoy Brian's writing. I just was hoping for a little bit more, just a little bit more. I can't even directly how to describe it. And just one other thing, not as, and this is not into Brian's thing. My cover feels like it has a, there is maybe a fingernail 
amount of paper popping out from the top compared to the cover of this nice black cover so you can see it. It's probably just the cut of the of the book slash the cover, like just stuff that's out of his hands. And I'm I'm not taking that out on him. I'm just more just more saying like I do see a little more it looks a little bit more rushed in the building of the book from a Kickstarter book compared to even the first issue. But yeah, hopefully he hears this and understands I'm just more saying my piece and I'm also I I do I am looking forward to whenever part three comes up to Kickstarter. Okay. And then I would like to do uh I was going to do a, a more longer adept version of it, but like just more I'll do this one. There are two movies. One's a documentary and one is a movie on HBO. I highly recommend. The documentary is This is This Place Rules. It's uh it's a documentary produced by Jonah Hill, but it's from the YouTuber. I want to say it's like all gas, no break. This kid who wears the, the khaki suit and goes into the streets and do interviews. But long story short, it's a it's a comic documentary of kind of the, the days going into January 6th, the uh, insurrection day. And the reason I is just more it's it's just very interesting and he does a very well done job showing where like some of like the bigger voices of that side were at during those that that day and then also kind of also showing which is a true moment to look at of how that whole election was like a media frenzy of like them making us go against each other for just viewership because they were having some of the highest views they've ever had at records and stuff. And, but, uh, the documentary is enjoyable. And also I like it because it has moments of like, uh, the YouTube show side talk, those ones like bing bong, fuck your life and all that stuff. And I, <laughs> it's very funny and I'll give it that. And the other one is also an HBO Max. At the moment, it's uh, The Menu. The Menu is... Oh, I, I actually do. I'm doing two real reviews after these ones. But these are some recommendations. The Menu is probably one of my favorite suspense movies that happened in the past five years. And the menu is probably, and it's because of it's it's about cooking. And shout out to the bear, which I I said this on Cadillac, and also Chalvi nailed it on the head. Like that, for some reason, that was like the year of cooks was uh, last year. But the bear and the menu, if you mix it together, that is truly the feels, the mindset of cooking. And that's why also it hits home for me, as people have known on the show. I've been, 
I've been in the I've been cooking for God knows how well ten plus years, and I grew up and my family owns a diner, so I've always been also an advocate of being the person saying, don't let these uh, Food Network stars, don't even let the YouTube people fool you. Cooking is not <laughs> that fun. Cooking is a jaded job. Cooking can get you jaded. Cooking can also mentally fuck you up. Cooking can also uh, really actually uh, there was a I used to there was a chef at the casino. He uh, he he state used to state facts like cooks usually have the highest rate of like divorce, some of the highest rate of alcoholism, a lot of the shit. But don't let those people fool you on the TV. And I, I've been very much an advocate on that. Now, it goes into that you have to have the psyche. It's where the, the bear part is. And the menu part is definitely the, the idea of without trying to spoil it. Because I really recommend you guys going to watch it. Without knowing anything, and do not let what they th- what you thought it was. It's not. It's it's not a. They were filming it, not filming it. They were kind of advertisement as like a horror movie. No, it is a psychological thriller, and of course, it's about uh, this chef inviting a bunch of people onto this island to make them a menu, and they were making it kind of sound like it was like he's going to make them eat each other, like. Like, then, but no, 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 no. But it is very, it's another great outlook on cooking. If I had to give anybody, if I can do five, I'd tell you five, but the, the four movies. Or shows I could probably recommend if you want to be a cook is the menu, the bear, waiting. Contrary to like that's a that is a true another mindset waiting, and then uh, chef with John Favreau, and I want you to look at because like out of those ones, so two of them are sad. In the sense, menu and the bear, and two of them are technically more lighthearted, comedic. But I want you to look at those characters that are the cooks of both of those comic ones. Waiting, obviously, they're a bunch of psychopaths. They like and like welcome to the Thunderdome, and like just even like the idea of making jokes about fucking up the guys, the people's food, and putting stuff like, oh, you don't mix. Mexican with continental, like that's stuff. Like that is a mindset, not to mess up with people's food, but that it's it's part of the mindset of the cook, the chef. Very lighthearted, but at the same time, he's divorced. He is. He's basically just fucking the front of the house girl. Slight. He's technically depressed. 
The only thing that keeps him happy is having that mindset of being a service man for people. And, like, there are... It's a mindset. Some people cannot handle the pressure that and the heat that basically could turn people into diamonds. Like, how process... Like, it becomes a process. And... But, yeah, it's... It's rough, and I, I I applaud people who still do it. I applaud, uh, I know as a person, like how I said, don't even listen to YouTube. I know I do on sometimes on a, I, Instagram. I've done like a Chef Dank, but that's also, uh, I feel that's different. But truly working in the kitchen is, is a, it's a beautiful shitstorm. I can leave it like that. But yes, I can highly recommend the menu. Because there are parts to it that I have, I have, and I have witnessed go through my brain and others' brains while cooking. It's very interesting. And then, uh... But yeah, I do have two because I did forget that I went yesterday, kind of. But I will go with the TV show. I watched episode one and two of Velma on HBO as well. And the jury's still out. Uh, I know IGN has a review of episode one through eight, but obviously us regular people, we only get episode one and two. And I think we have episode three out now or whatever. But, uh. My feelings are, it is really weird. I feel they're trying to catch what the Harley Quinn animated series does. But the problem is, is I, I'm still going to stand on it. I think Velma would be better or how would it work? I'm going to give it, I'd give it a, uh, the first two episodes. I'm going to give it a seven out of 10. I like how I do in comics one through or yeah zero through five, and I did one through ten on this one. Seven out of ten for Velma. But if this was a new IP, it could be the same exact thing. It could be even drawn the same, but it could have been Stacy and um, Frank and. Um, We'll say Aquafina because they have Daphne as an Asian girl, but obviously it could be Aquafina, the girl from you know from Shang Chi. Uh, it would, I'd give it a higher praise, but for some reason the stigma of knowing it is Scooby Doo makes it just awkward, and I don't I don't understand. I don't understand at this moment in time like. There are moments where it seems like she has a little hankering for white guy. Like she, they have Velma, of course, as a, to my knowledge, an Indian girl because obviously Mindy, the girl from Mindy, is voicing her. But hear me out how I'm going to say it. Like she has Shaggy, who's black, who loves like is like a cuck for her. But then she kind of li- sounds like she likes Fred, but like talks shit about him because he's white. And then Daphne is obviously Chinese, but also like it seemed like they had like mixed feelings. 
it's just a very weird hodgepodge of stuff going on in this move book or not book. This TV show that kind of shines a little bit more than the comedy does for me. And the comedy is pretty funny. And there's some moments, there were some moments that were funny. But then there's, there were just some weird, just some spots. Not saying it's bad. Like I said, I gave it a seven. But I'm telling you, if this was not Velma and the Mystery Gang, and it was just a, a, a typical Adult Swim show, I think it would be higher praise than it is. And then, uh, yesterday we went and saw Megan. Megan uh, was obviously the new, uh, quote-unquote, Chucky movie with uh, the new idea of having this android-esque toy be attached to a kid, and then obviously will went haywire and wants to protect the kid, but also does it drastically. And uh, I'm here to say it's it's actually pretty good. I would like to also state that I feel it's more closer to they also put it down. They went from rated R to PG-13. And I think at first, when I first was watching it, until the end, I was like, I don't know if this is a good move. I think maybe you should go rated R and go a little bit more violent. But but I can hear to say, going down to PG-13, it went from child's play for me to gremlins. And that's not bad. That's not good. Or it's not not bad. That's not uh, negative in a sense. It's more just saying. Uh, I feel it was very entertaining. There was moments because I was they working in a toy shop or toy company, so it gives me that Gremlins vibe. Gremlins too. Uh There are moments, there are some also weird, the only really weird part, two parts are, at the end, right before the client, like right before, like they're resolving the the, the problem between the little girl and the, the, the adult, there's some moments in the theater, it felt like the audio was so loud that you could tell it was voiced over, like they changed the words that the kid is listening to in the, you know how they do that? Typical things, but just for some reason... It felt a little bit more highlighted than it should in my in my opinion at that moment in time. And then uh what was the other part? I think they also do a pretty well done they they ride the line of what PG thirteen is for the blood and violence. For moments. They're moments. They they're smart enough to show the part where uh I don't even want to spoil it. But it does a really good balancing act of comedy and then the idea of like making the I don't believe in what they they're saying oh yeah, the people their team makes it more uh more uh mem- like scary like no 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 but PG-13 makes it more palatable so you can rewatch it and then also it could definitely become a franchise and that's, I don't think it's a spoiler because in this day and age, 
they clearly obviously the ending is set is set up for two different versions of a uh, sequel and it's I think um, I got to also I'm not going to review that one but you can watch Smile which was another indie horror that did basically the same idea of numbers of like like Megan hit 30 million and so they obviously made their money back so did Smile in Halloween time where Smile is scary just because of how it's filmed, not saying the stories, because I will say Smile, uh, I think Megan's better than Smile because of entertainment-wise and just story-wise and ending-wise. Smile was just kind of, oh, okay. That was, I mean, there's some moments, but like, okay, whatever. Megan, I'm actually looking forward to, like when they do Megan 2, if that makes sense. And I'd give Megan... A eight and a half out of ten, like it was, it was pretty enjoyable and it was a fun time. And I, like, don't take me however you want, but like, I even took my, you know, my little kid because he likes he's. We watched all the Chuckies, and this is a. I'm reviewing it as a person who just watched Child's Play for the first time last year. I've never watched them before last year, and I, I actually really like Chucky now. I didn't like Chucky before because I was like, I get, I got too weirded out as a kid but but yeah uh highly recommend it in a in a fun way i could i can also uh i would say go watch like on the cheap day at theaters because i'd also that's all that's that's not about the movie that's about how much movie theaters are expensive go on the cheap day go watch megan i don't think you'd be disappointed or definitely pick it up and watch it at home I almost forgot. I also do want to give a big shout out to HBO's The Last of Us episode one. That was probably one of the best adaptations of a video game ep- like start ever, ever. And uh, I want to say just more also, I'm okay with the spores being removed. And then they chose to put like... Um, the beginning of your the changing of the infected before they become clickers and stuff. They have those tendrils come out of their mouth. I think it's nice and cool and creepy, and I think it's definitely uh kind of goes with like the idea of like the fungi and like the plant stuff. Looks fine. Hats off to whoever did uh casting. Hats off to. Everybody, even the one who played the lady, the girl who played Sarah, everybody played Tess, who played obviously, um, can't, can't remember his name, who plays Joel, and just little things. They made it work so well, and it was such, it was, it, it connect, it got me riled up so much that I'm looking forward to the next episodes, of course. It also makes you want to go buy. <laughs> The Last of Us Part One re, uh, for PS Five is it, they're they're not stupid. They know what they were doing, and I can highly recommend it. It's it is, sets a bar so high, you makes you just so disappointed for the goddamn Halo series. But yeah, uh, I think that'll do it for me. 
more just saying thank you for listening. And I'm sorry tonight, no direct hot picks. But at least we're getting an episode. And I'm going to try to do next week too. All right. Like I say every time, you guys be good to each other. And I'll catch you next time. Peace.